Hey guys, it's Deke from Audio Astronauts and Magnetic Recording. Matt Rolls and I are getting the Audio Astronauts podcast going again. We started this thing back in 2013, and it was a pretty show-structured format then. Um, we're going to do something a little different now, and it's going to be a little bit more freeform. So I thought I would just give everyone a heads up. We're jumping right into uh, a Zoom call we had last week. And uh, our intention was to discuss what the show was going to be like. And instead, we did three hours of ranting on music psychology, artistic expression, the music business, uh, you name it. And we'll still be getting into album reviews and talking about recording techniques, but things will be a little bit more freeform off the cuff. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on the format, on any of the topics we discuss. Please feel free to hit us up at Audio Astronauts on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at Matt Rolls ATL, and at Magnetic Recording. Audio Astronauts. Two dudes pondering the depths of modern recording. you know, around about school is, so it's gotten me to um, record some of my songs. Oh, nice. And so, so that's been deeply humiliating because I cannot sing worth a fuck. So, <laughs> you know, you saw I posted, but I read, I, I read Jeff Tweedy's book. It's called yeah. how, to, how to write one song. Yeah. I've got and the, you I've said got you that. have it. You I should did. read it. You should read it. It's, it's not, um, it would be like having a conversation with me. That's how yeah. it felt to me. It, like okay. when I read it, he's, he's, he, you know, he's very much the same. Like, you know, he, and he says a lot in the book, like you have to, you have to humiliate yourself. You have to be willing to write a bunch of bad songs to ever write yes. a good song. I mean, he says it like letting yourself, you know, be free to create or, or whatever. I, what he's getting at is that we're so connected to, when I'm making something, how is it going to be perceived? What are people going to think about this? Does this live up to my expectation of what I think is a good song or a good record? All this stuff, right? That, that yeah. inhibits your ability to actually connect with creation. You know, it actually prevents you from creating something yeah. and not even something worthwhile, just creating it all. It actually just puts all these kind of blocks and barriers in there. And I know that like I've experienced that as well. And then you feed, then you put depression on top of that. And so anytime I would sing anything, I've got a judge in my head before it even comes out. Yeah. That sucks. That sucks. You suck. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. And I got to quiet that voice. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Jeff Tweedy speaks to that too. I think that we, everyone has that voice every, you know, no matter what you're trying to create or even in some cases, things that aren't like music related or art related or creation related. Yeah. Just being worthy, being valuable, you know, feeling like you have something to offer the world. I think everyone to a degree it ha is suffering from that. And the yeah. people that are not suffering from that should be suffering because they're the one, they're the cancer of the world. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the <laughs> giant egomaniacs that control, like, right. you know, um, yeah, Maybe they need, they need a little dose of humility, but, um, right. <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, I, I've actually been. I've been writing a lot lately. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I had this kind of. I saw you post something about that. I've had this like epiphany about lyrics specifically. I mean, I've been a songwriter, I mean, for my whole life, basically, and I've always written songs. And lyrics have always been the part where I've gotten hung up because um, I don't know. It's like, I mean, I can talk someone to death. You know, I can talk someone to life. I can, you know, sure. I can articulate very well and I can, I can impassion what I'm saying. And with songs, I guess it always feels phony to me to try to say something, you know, to, to try to, to make up, you know, a, a poetic way to say this thing that I can, I can articulate verbally so easily. So what I'm trying to do lately is um, I have, uh, I used to write poetry all the time. And oh. so when I was at Full Sail, I went to Kinko's and I made this book of my poems nice you know and um whatever whatever but so i actually am really good at writing poetry but at some point i guess when i started working or something like that part of my brain just got fucking shut off and it became all about other things non-creative things it brings me a lot of happiness to write that kind of stuff and i and so, I mean, these poetry is song lyrics, can be song, song yeah. lyrics. So you're not like writing a screenplay where, you know, like a Tarantino movie where two people are having a conversation. Anytime I try to write shit like that, it just feels, like you said, phony and forced. And I had a couple of discoveries. Um, one was, um, you know, I've been doing meditation and stuff. And so yeah. I, I kind of started like, reading and learning more about George Harrison, which is funny. It's like, you know, I just endlessly, you know, eat the Beatles for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. Um, but you know, he was very, um, he was a yogi and, and he spent yes. a lot of his life, um, dedicated to that, you know, dedicated Absolutely. to his spirituality and that kind of thing. But if you actually read his lyrics, he was just pulling from, his experiences in yoga and meditation and all of, you know, that's his lyrics were, were really tied to these things that he was experiencing there. They, he wasn't really writing this like big brain kind of thing. You know, like if you think about John Lennon, you know, John Lennon was really clever and he had these poetic, clever phrases and things, you know, that's kind yeah. of how I think of songwriting and a lot of good songwriting is like that. There's these yes. really clever people that know how to, string words together in a certain way to paint a picture where I yeah. think George, George Harrison was more about sharing an experience that was true to him. And that's how he wrote. And so as I kind of, I, I got his book, he has a book called I Me Mine and it's incredible. The new version oh. is beautiful. It's like this beautiful piece of artwork. It's got lyrics in it that are like handwritten or, or photocopied versions of things. It's got his writing, writing from his wife, writing from his best friend. You know, it just kind of spans his whole life. And as I was learning about him and reading his lyrics, it kind of, I, just something clicked in my mind. It was like, I don't have to try to say anything. I can literally just share my experience. And, and, uh, and, <clears throat> and, I, and I was just yeah. thinking about that. I wasn't even thinking about it. It was just like brewing in my subconscious. Mm. Um, I've been gardening a lot. So I was like mixing compost, making my own compost. Yeah. Weird, weird shit music producers do. Um, 
And I was doing that. It's really hard work. It's, you know, really difficult to, the way I do it is I have these big bins and you're moving all of this, you know, material into this other, into this other bin. You have to flip it every couple of weeks. It's, it's hard physical labor. Like shoveling a bunch yes. of stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so, but the whole time I was doing that, I was just focusing somehow on my subconscious of this idea of like writing music from my experience internally. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it was like this kind of all this stuff was happening, stuff with meditation, all this stuff. And I just like went and wrote this song that like totally encapsulates lyrically this journey that I've been on personally. Yeah. And and I was really, really proud of it. And then I wrote all the music and I have a whole song. I haven't done anything really with it yet, but I was most proud of the lyrics because I've always been pretty good at writing music, you know, whether mm-hmm. it be with other bands or for other artists or, or, you know, even my own stuff. It's really in the lyrics where I've always felt discontent, even with some of the final products, you know, like even if the song's good and people like it or they clapped and I was playing or yeah. whatever, yeah. the lyrics I never felt like resonated me. You know, they, they, they didn't represent me thoroughly, right. you know, where in Quiet Hounds, Eric's, you know, Eric's lyrics are so profound and so thoughtful. They've resonated with me. And so therefore I can authentically sing those lyrics and feel connected mm. to them. Right. And um, on that topic um, of feeling like you're, you know, you said like, you know, you, you do something and you feel like, oh, well, that's, that's no good. I'm, I'm not good at this. You know, try being in a band with Eric Toledo for 10 years, <laughs> you know, it, you know, I, I said this to Brad the other day. I said, sometimes when I sit to write a song, I just think, why bother? You know, because I have this, I'm in a yeah. band with this guy who's so prolific and, and humble about it. You know, if you ever heard me saying this, he'd just be like, stop it. But, whatever. you know, he's so prolific and he's so poetic and he's so thoughtful and mindful about what he's creating. Um, it It kind of makes you just kind of go like, what, what do I really have to bring to the table here? You know? Well, if you didn't have Eric as your personal experience, you know that the Beatles existed and that they've written the best songs that have ever been written. So why (laughs) bother? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. And then, and then, yeah. And you can fill in the gaps with, you know, there are lots of things they didn't cover that, that Roger Waters surely did cover um, in a very (laughs) profound way. So yeah, again, though, it's like that same analogy if John Bryan is the engineering or, or production <laughs> bar and, and the Beatles or Roger Waters are the songwriting bar, you know, w- why would anyone try to do anything? You know, but I think that's the human condition. Like existence is here for a reason, right? It's, mm-hmm. we exist for some reason, even if that reason is all fabricated by us, right? <laughs> there's yeah. a reason. So there's something in us that still compels us through that, through, oh, this person's the best producer, this person's the best songwriter, that, you know, all of that. And it's about the expression. It's about what Jeff Tweedy talks about in his book. It's about, he calls it disappearing, which is an interesting thought. For him, when he's inside of songwriting, he says that he disappears. And Like his self disappears or he... Yeah, his his ego disappears. Like his... See, we're all, we're all just amalgamation of ego, you know, our fears, our confidences, our, you know, we're all this amalgamation of ego. And, and Jeff Tweedy talks about that in his book. It's interesting reading that book 
in parallel to the journey that I've been on with meditation, because mm -hmm. a lot of what he talks about sounds like meditating to me, you know, where with him, it's this thing he's found in this really structured way of writing songs. He's able to leave himself, leave his ego, leave all of that burden of, of being behind. And he's able to tap in to the true connection of his creativity with, with, you know, you know, some people say like, you know, the songs are channeled or, you know, I didn't yeah, write it. I was say. You know, but I think that's a magic way of putting it where I think Jeff Tweedy's approach is like, it's a work ethic thing. You know, he, hmm. he knows if, if I wake up early and I do these practices and then I go to these practices and then I go to the studio and I do this recording and I try these exercises, you know, might not get the, the, the best song in the world that day, but like over time, the accumulation of that work ethic leads him to having Grammy winning music, you know? I yeah. mean, I don't, I don't know if in his mind he's thinking I'm trying to make Grammy winning music. I don't think that's what he's thinking at all, but that has been what has happened for him. So that's, that's Stephen King's process as well. He, you know, lots of writers, especially, you know, songwriter, book writers, um, talk about showing up that that's the most important thing is to develop this routine where at, you know, whatever time you go into your office, close the door and you write for two hours. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then you I, could come back and edit that stuff later, but you just right. get it out of you. And every day, every day. You can never get to that process if you don't go through the process of creating a deep well of stuff to, to pull from. You don't know if you suck. Like you might tell yourself, oh, I suck. You don't know because you hadn't done enough shit to know if you suck. You know, yeah. you've got to really okay. go through a process to get to the point where you're like, okay, I've been working on this for 10 years and I made all this. I suck. <laughs> you well, know, you here's, here's the deal. Every writing professor I've ever, or teacher I've ever had is like, the first stuff you write is going to be fucking garbage. Yeah. It's going to be garbage. Just write your way through the shit. Just right. write, 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 yeah. write, 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 critique, you know, or have other people critique. But right, 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 right. It's, yeah. it's a process. Yeah. So yeah, just know that it's going to suck. And I've, I've had a little bit of the benefit of, I started writing songs really early. I mean, I wrote my first song, I think, when I was 13 years old. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was probably a silly Nirvana ripoff or something. But like... Oh, mine was um, like that age and it was terrible. <laughs> it was something about girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've had the luxury, as I was reading Jeff Tweedy's book, you know, he spoke a lot about, um, you know, if you're a new, if you're somebody that's, that's just now trying to think, oh, I want, I think I want to be a writer. Or I'm, I'm in love with the idea of being a writer or whatever. Yeah. You feel compelled to write. Um, you know, I think as a young person, none of, none of the psychology ever got in my way early on. You know, I never thought I suck early. I, I, I was always like, I'm going somewhere. And so right. I just followed that path. And I think a lot of people do that and they, they get somewhere really big and they, they have big, you know, success yeah. or public success. And then, then the story, you know, arcs in some weird way, but. So how come people don't treat songwriting or any artistic craft like they do with sports or anything else where it's, you know, it's a process. You don't get, you have some innate talent probably you know, if you're interested in that thing and, and <clears throat> know that there's going to be a journey. They say, you know, it takes 10,000 hours to get good at anything that you want to do. Right. You know, play golf or, you know, whatever, baseball, whatever. 
you know, or or learning how to write music. It probably takes yeah. that long. I, and so I, why are people like shooting themselves in the foot before they even get out of the gate? But there's two two things that come to mind. One is that in sports, you have a very culturally organized system for sports where you've got coaches, you've got yeah. people who came from a, a, an earlier generation that know, here's what you have to do to get to this point, And I will teach you where in music, even though you had that kind of internship kind of thing with production and stuff like that, that doesn't, that doesn't exist for that songwriting. Exist. And for, that doesn't for, exist anymore. It doesn't exist anymore in, in music really at all in any form right. or fashion. I mean, what you have now is the YouTube generation where it's like, and it is happening again. And I think that's why you, I am finding all these phenoms, young people that are, I mean, there are young people on the internet that are in their twenties that can play guitar better than I ever will. They sing better than I ever will. And they actually are writing songs and emulating old music in a way that is mind blowing to me. Um, Wow. It's really kind of exciting, honestly. And I think that stems from the fact that there is a now a channel, a method in which to learn. And you can kind of, you can change the channel. You can learn. I can go to Rick Beato's channel and learn music theory. You know, if I, if that's my thing and I want to learn this or, or I can go over to this other place and, and learn something that's more of a, 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 you know, a creative style path or just watching people, you know I mean? That's how I've learned is like, being around people, watching people, learning. And, and these new generations have the ability to learn from everyone because Absolutely. everyone's showing what they can do. They're, they're, everyone is teaching now. Um, right. So it's a really, it's an interesting thing that is happening with, with songwriting and, and musicianship specifically. I think songwriting is harder because songwriting is, you know, it can't really be taught. You know, it's, there are things you can learn, but there's no formula. You can learn a perfect formula to play a guitar or play piano or even have attitude. You can learn these formulas like how Keith Richards plays guitar or how, you know, Ron Wood plays slide or whatever. You can learn how they do those things and emulate that. And therefore you can take that. Songwriting is really, really tricky to learn. You know, yeah. first of all, if you do exactly what those people you idolize or you look up to do, you're plagiarizing them, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't do that. There's at least some protection there. And then even though I think huge artists now that are massively successful are literally just flat ripoffs of, of old, of other music, you know? Um, so they're getting away with it somehow. But I think in the purest form, if we're talking about the artist introspection, someone that's actually trying to create something, it's, it's, you, you actually have to connect with, with the inside of you. you. You can't find that from anyone else. You know, you have to get it somewhere else. And I think this kind of touches back to what I was talking about with like being in a band with Eric and like, why even try? Because only I, only I can write the song that's inside of me. Eric can't Absolutely. write that. You know, you can't write only you, only the individual can pull that stuff out of them. And if you have the patience and the work ethic, and the love for doing that, it's in there. All that stuff yeah. is in there. Um, so I, you know, who knows? Like if, you know, I think there's plenty of songs that have been written that no one gives two shits about, you know, that are like, wow, oh, yeah. this, this should be a Grammy winner or whatever. And, you know, who knows as a songwriter, you know, 
where I'll ever fall within someone's perception of what is good or not good. But honestly, that has nothing to do with the creation. Nothing. Exactly. And if you can actually get yourself to that point, then you can create freely and effortlessly because you're not, you're not, you're not in a cage, basically a culturally self-inflicted cage where you can't, you can't, you can't be your truth. You can't speak your truth. You definitely can't express your truth, you know? So, you know, it's interesting. So, um, I was watching, um, sunset sound recorders has a YouTube channel. And so I'm watching this, um, this, uh, interview with Prince, his engineer, and the, she was talking about, <clears throat> he would not allow any outside music whatsoever to be played she came in like humming a new tune and i can't remember what tune but you know this is the 80s you know so this is like uh purple rain and when doves cry and all of that and uh, it was really interesting you know because he was a super introverted person but he did not want any outside influence of you know maybe she was humming a madonna song or something right yeah. he was like that's the competition stop it yeah, but I actually see it as like not interfering with his creative flow. And she talked about when he did when when doves cry, he just went in there and it went ape shit on it. He played everything, of course, yeah. and um, he put forty plus tracks all over. He jizzed all over the song, <laughs> and then so, <laughs> and so what she said he did was go in there and pull start pulling things out until it got to be better and he looked over at her and said and when he pulled the bass off completely off said i bet that'll fuck with people <laughs> no, i didn't realize there is no bass guitar on that song whatsoever interesting and it was a hit yeah. so anyway yeah shit like that is fascinating to me but no it is fascinating i th i think like i've been a lot more in that camp than I've ever been in the reference camp, um, which I'm, I'm, I'm changing intentionally now, but, um, I mean, for years I've only listened to the work that I work on mainly, you know, I'm a little, I listen to the Beatles. I listen to Pink Floyd. I listen to Led Zeppelin right. there. And there are a handful of other things that I listen to occasionally, but you know, I don't sit down and really like listen to music in this influential way. Like I did when I was a kid. I actually listen to the music that I'm working on and I actually do try to separate myself and the things that I'm working on from outside influence because I don't want to rip people off. You will no matter what, because that is what making art is. Your, your, your uh, emulation is art. I mean, that is how it is. You know, Michelangelo was, was emulating someone. I guarantee it. You know, he was emulating something. Yeah. But, but the, the cutting, you know, the, what you're talking about with Prince, like not wanting that outside interference is a really interesting thought because I do think that it makes you develop something that is unique to you. Now, whether or not that is again, this iconic thing that everyone in the world is going to know and adore and say, Oh, look what he made. Look what she made. It's, you know, it's, it's still something unique. Right. And so it gives you a foundation to build on where if you're just constantly trying to emulate everything that you hear, you might be really talented and you might, you might, you might be really good at all these things, but like we, we don't need 
a carbon copy of a carbon copy of a carbon copy of something that was good. We don't, the world doesn't need that. What it needs is expression that is true. Like whatever that may be from a human being, we need that true expression because that is going to, that's going to innovate. That's going to, you know, I think that's why you see innovation in like a lot of other departments, not art anymore. You see it in the tech world. You see innovations in these places that aren't so oversaturated with, I mean, and those are oversaturated with innovation too now, but like, yeah, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's like that, um, the metaphor of the wild west, you know, when nobody knows there's no laws, there's no rules, there's right. no boundaries. We just kind of decide, Oh, well, we're going to, we're going to live here and we're going to make a thing here and we're going to grow food here. Um, you know, that's more the and internet more. is <laughs> well, and, and again, that's, <laughs> gotten to the point to where it's no longer the, you know, it's, it's this really saturated place too. And it's, you know, hard to be heard and everything's about marketing and algorithms. You know, it's like, that's not fucking fun. That's not cool. That's not art. That's not expression, marketing and how, algorithms. How many times a day do I have to post in order to show up in somebody's fucking feed and all that stuff? Yeah. Like, nobody... And on top of it, it's being t taught like this, you know, not don't, you know, songwriters just want to think about writing songs and they just want to think about being music. They need to be thinking about their business and their marketing and their branding and all this shit. And I'm just like, okay, I mean, I get it, but like, what if we just made fucking art, you know? Well, that would be good. And if, as long as you're making <laughs> it just for yourself and your personal pleasure, you know, working on your craft and you don't want anybody to, you know, to know about it, then you yeah. don't, you know, yep. that's the thing. I, like, I think it's a, to... I think it's a priority thing. I think that getting right, getting right with self, getting right with creation, whether that be producing something or writing or whatever, getting your priorities straight, you know, your priorities should be on connecting with the thing that you're doing and then secondarily say, Hey, I think I kind of made something that I want to share, or I think is valuable, yeah. or I think people might care about. Let me then put that, let me see what happens. Let me put, I mean, honestly, that's what I'm doing, Matt. That's what yeah. I'm doing right now is I'm saying, okay, I've, I've worked hard. You know, I mean, I've been a musician for 20 Never. plus years. I've been, you know, making records for, I mean, honestly, I've been making records for over 15 years, even though, you know, a lot of those records probably were things that, you know, very few people heard, but I've always been recording, yeah. you know, I've built it's my own studio with journey. these hands. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I've, I've done all of this process. I kind of finally feel like I'm at a point where I can say, okay, I feel good about like how I, how the things that I create represent like who I am or who I aspire to be at least, you know, like, mm -hmm. I don't think I have the answers. I don't think I'm the best. I don't think, you know, any of that stuff, but I think that what I have to share with people aligns with who I am now, you know, okay. for me, and I, and I think it's different for everybody, but for me, philosophically and spiritually, I had those two things had to be reconciled where I could, where I could feel right about what I share and how I share it. You know, it was easy with my band because a, we wear ma we wore masks. So it was like, you know, you're ambiguous in that way, which I love. I love that idea. I loved, you know, that whole concept of putting out art ambiguously. Like here's art, you know, who gives yeah. a shit who made it? Like who cares? There doesn't need to be a big ego saying, look, I did this. I'm the shit. 
you know, now is probably the first time in my life where I could actually, I can actually share like who I am and what I do and how I do it in my journey in a way that feels authentic to me. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and so I feel like, okay, that's, yeah. that's something I can do. And an, as a part of that, also not being burdened by what we're talking about. Like, I don't care if the internet loves me. I don't care if no, no. I, I don't, because I don't need anyone to validate whether or not the things that I make are good or not, because I've already validated those things for myself. And that's, that's the Prince thing, right? Yeah. Like I did this whole process. I don't need somebody to tell me if they think it's good. I just don't care. Like I care because I care about humans. I care about, you know, I love people. I care, but like, I also don't care. I don't right. care. I don't care to carry around this big old weight on my shoulders of what people think. Right. Because that, that is unhealthy. You know, that creates anxiety. It creates stress. It creates depression. It creates all of these things that, um, you know, it's the suffering of the world. And for me, unburdening right. that suffering is like a huge part of my journey. Absolutely. And it, it actually allows me to be in a state where I can share positive energy, you know, and, and that might be teaching something. It might be just writing a song and saying, well, here's a song. I wrote the song. You know, it's, it's not about like, Hey, look at me. It's like, well, Hey, this is me, you know, and, right. and that's, and that exists. Um, so I, I think all of this, this long, really deep philosophical conversation we're in ties together in a really interesting way. It's all part of the same, it it's is. all a part of the same ecosystem. Hey guys, I just wanted to jump in here and say, if you're enjoying the conversation or you'd like to comment on any topic that we discuss, uh, go give us a follow on Instagram at Magnetic Recording, at Matt Rolls ATL, and at Audio Astronauts. Thanks, and here's some more. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, I think that's part of being a producer is, is it's a lot of psychology. You know, I used to, I used to always make fun of Rick Rubin. Cause I'm like, was he just sits around and meditates. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't put any microphones up. He doesn't, <laughs> you know, he doesn't, you know, I used to make that joke, but honestly, I think Rick, Rick Rubin has probably got it right. I think that he understands that like, what I need to do is I need to create a vibe and I need, I need, I need to create a, a tempo and an environment in which we're going to make something that, 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 that these people don't even know they can make. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's a big part of it. And, it, and it's every, it's every artist, dude, visual artists, you know, it's, we just said it, we're both artists and yeah. we just said that, you know, we're beating ourselves up over the things we're making. Why even every artist that we record or film or anything we do is, is those same psychological devices are, are in them as well. Absolutely. Or they're, they're suffering from those devices. And so when you think of it that way, you recognize that my job as a producer is to try to clean out all that crap and go, let's find what's awesome about this artist, this yeah. person, not necessarily even the song, you know, maybe it's the song or maybe it's the, it, it depends. Everyone's different, but every single person that you work with, there's going to be some amount of that, you know? Mm. Um, and, and I can only imagine what it's like work, you know, like for instance, um, Liam Gallagher of Oasis has two solo records out now okay. and, and they're similar to the process we spoke about. Lots of songwriters, lots of producers, engineers. I think they're fucking incredible. Oh, I yeah. think that, I think that, you know, I love his brother, Noel, who wrote all the Oasis songs. Right. I think, I think Noel is a genius, but like these, which these, one is which? Liam is, was the lead singer, but Noel was the guitar player who, okay. the guitar player with Mystique. Um, he was the guitar player who wrote all the songs. 
Um, right. Almost famous reference for anyone who doesn't know that. But um, <laughs> uh, but these records actually are really good because somehow Liam got out of his own way and said, you know, I'm I'm a singer. I just want to fucking sing. I want to be a rock star singer. And he's real good at that. Yeah. You know, and so with these songwriters and these producers who are literally just ripping off his brother, they're like, let me rip off Noel Gallagher and write you songs, <laughs> but they're doing it really well, but it's actually made something, it's made something cool. My point of the story is I can only imagine how difficult it is for these producers to work with Liam Gallagher. Like imagine working with somebody, he's super talented. He is an incredible singer. Yeah. You know, he is, he really can deliver a song. But it's like, how do you work with him? How, you know, is he fucking cool? Can he be cool? Can he just lay back and be like, cool, let's just let things happen? You know, I, I don't know. So I think I that, you know, the, the challenges of, of being successful as a musician or a writer or a producer or something, you know, think about the challenges of being successful and, and what you have to deal with then too. You know, obviously the financial part goes away, but then you there's all these other things, these big egos that you're managing or you're working with, you know, as a musician or a writer. So none of this shit ever changes, dude. That's the thing. It doesn't matter how successful Taylor Swift is. I guarantee you that she has to go through all of these psychological mechanisms and all these same things in a different yeah. way than people that, that haven't reached her level of success. So, but she did start songwriting very young and, um, she's had success all along the way. So I have to wonder whether or not she's really crippled with self doubt and, and whatnot, but, but maybe, you know, once you're successful, how do I stay successful? How do I yeah. write a record and top my own self? And, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I, I don't, we, we couldn't speak to someone's individual experience, but you definitely see it with, I mean, I'm just going to call them out Pearl Jam because they're like one of my favorite bands ever, but yeah they're just not connected with what they once did. Well, they're not, you know, they, the, the stuff that they make is it's fine, but it's like, they've been told that their cult following has told them that everything you make is amazing. Same right. Foo Fighters, Foo Fighters, great example. Guys, you're not, you're not making color in the shape anymore. You're not making nothing left to lose. I mean, those records were engineering masterpieces, production masterpieces, songwriting masterpieces, performance masterpiece. I mean, you know, there is some disconnect with people that are so successful that they, they no longer can interpret feedback to under, you know what I'm saying? Like, what if people aren't giving them feedback? They're not. People are blowing that's smoke what, up their ass. That's you got yes people all around you. That's right. And can't look you in the eye and go, that's a piece of shit. That's right. That's absolutely true. I mean, that's definitely true. And because, I think, you know, I, Dave Grohl is one of my favorite human beings. You know, everything I've heard about him from everybody that that is that he's a, that genuine article. Yeah. yeah. You know, but somehow he can't write good music anymore. But I think that's because our culture has told everyone that good music isn't this. Is, good music doesn't look like it used to. Right. And so I think those artists but, are trying to they're trying to okay. stay relevant within what's current. But that's but here, not, here's a perfect example, though. So that HBO show they did where they went to the different spots. They didn't yeah. actually learn anything <laughs> from that culture and those people yeah. and incorporate it into their music in any kind of way. 
I mean, I'm not saying yeah. that the Foo Fighters need to write a jazz song because they went down to New Orleans. Yeah. But it was all the songs were pretty terrible. No, I felt the same way. I mean, I do think that they, I'm sure that they internalized those things. I'm sure as human beings, they, they felt the magic and they felt, I think as human beings, they are going through that journey. I just think that there's a disconnect between, you know, your creative work and, and what, you know, you feel you should be making or what you're told is good or what you're not told at all, you know? Right. And, you know, I have no doubt in my mind that the, the, the band members in Pearl Jam are probably some of my favorite humans ever, you know, right. the band member, the, these, these are, these are good people with good moral fiber with good, you know, that is, that's not what we're talking about. I think it's, it's more about, you know, it's objective. It's about their art, you know? Yeah. And who the fuck are we to say like your art sucks if they feel good about it? It's, I mean, literally goes back to what we said when we started talking about songwriting. It's like they're clearly making something and in some way fulfills a part of them and whether or not, you know, we connect with it. I think, I think what happens is, is that people like us, people that are producers or musicians or elitists about music in some way, you know, we put ourselves on a higher echelon of like perception, right? Like our perception is, is should be more valuable than the perception of the masses because the masses don't know. Right. So in a, in a way, we're just talking about our own egos here. We're not actually talking about, but who's the audience? Is I it, mean, is it you, you know, musician yeah. elitist is Dave Grohl writing that song for you? That's what I'm saying. Like they're not, they're writing their songs for the masses that say, we'll buy that record if you make it. And so I think that's where, or with Pearl Jam, we'll just buy whatever it is that you put out. Yeah. It's a, it's a bootleg and mono. That's like, you know, you guys fucking dicking around, you know, we'll pay 15 bucks for that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, let's start a club where we'll send you some bullshit music every month. Yeah. But, but the thing is, is like, also, everyone in our culture also aspires to that, you know, as a culture, we aspire to that position. We aspire to the position where we can have Patreons and fan clubs and people backing us for our projects and all this shit. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, yeah. that is the culture that we exist in. And so, you know, sitting here criticizing those people from one angle on the other angle, you go like, man, wouldn't it be amazing to like be in this position to where I could create freely and do, you know, do what felt natural to me and have people respect that and value that and, and, you know, pay me for my, you know, art and that kind of stuff. So I don't, there's no answer here. There's no, there's there's, no answer to this. It's a good space to be, you know, all of that. And you're financially, you know, uh, well enough to do whatever it is that you want to do. I mean, again, it's ego. Ego plays a role in all of this stuff. And you know, money. It's... Ego and money. Yeah, I mean. And the people that you surround yourself with. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest problems with a lot of the a lot of these folks that, that have so much success is that they're surrounded with agents and managers and publishers and all these people that have their own agendas, right? And they're constantly in this battle trying to get you to do what they want while you're in a battle trying to get them to allow you to have some of your own fucking freedom to do what you yeah. want. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sorry, but compromise and meeting in the middle does not make great art. It doesn't. Yeah, I, I agree. It doesn't. I agree. And, and you've also got a situation, at least with the majors, 
there are only three record labels left in the world, like major record labels, and they own. And pretty everything. soon, Spotify is going to own all of them, and it's just going to be fucking Spotify HQ. Okay. So, but I'm saying how the people that run the music business part of things are so far removed from the art, it's just not even funny. Yeah. And I had I had an interesting thought writing this Spotify paper the other day, and it made me realize, and I may have said this when we were talking about Spotify and, and that stuff last time, but um, part of the is part of the reason that there is in society, in our society, that you know young people are valued. And so basically you have from you know 14 to 18 to about what 25 or 30 for you to be culturally relevant. Right. And then after that, just put your ass out to pasture. <laughs> Which right? is so silly. It's so ridiculous. You know, you've got a fan base and all that, but you shouldn't be popular anymore because only the young people are popular. And that's what's, you know, hip and happening. And it happens in visual arts. It happens in movies. It happens in, you know, music and all this. And it, but what it started making me think about was the reason, maybe one of the reasons that that, that is true is because large corporations can exploit young people. By the time you've gotten to be 30, you're like, I'm not putting up with that shit. When you're right. like 18 years old and you see you're not successful at all and you see all of this, you're willing to give up your royalties, your you know publishing, your this and that and the other. And those 360 deals like you talked about and that crazy uh, concert ticket nonsense. Yeah, anyway. the, black, the Black Keys are, you know, it's like, do you guys want a number one record? Well, no. let's 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 bundle your seat. Let's bundle your your album with your ticket sales, and then you can pay your own record label for every one of those records, so you can get a number one. That just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So you know, those guys are old enough and successful enough to be like, no, we're not doing that shit. I mean, like I was saying the other week, you know, Spotify is becoming the new record label. They're yeah. curating these playlists, and being on these playlists is making that track, you know, stream really well. And then you get popular and like Billie Eilish and Lord got discovered off of uh, SoundCloud and Spotify playlists. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying their music's any good. I'm just saying that that's a yeah. new, uh, it's almost like uh, record companies don't have A&R anymore. That's, I think that's what was missing. Like, back in the uh, days of like Stax Records and Atlantic and all that, you had right guys, you know, that were that would develop like um, Otis Redding was a limo driver who happened to walk into Stax Studios and he and he sang and they found him and they were like, let's cut a record. Yeah. And the I rest mean, is I, history. I think what you're saying is that the that Spotify curators are those people. They are those AR people. Who are the Spotify curators though? Who are those people? Are they musical elitists like you and I? No. No, they're 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 I mean, I, I think it's gonna be a mixed bag. I think you're gonna have people that are probably within that mechanism. And I, I don't even know if these are people that work for Spotify, if they're third parties, yeah. but I'm sure it's a mixed bag. I'm sure you have people that are heavily invested in art and music and what they love about it. And then also trying to balance that with like, I want a job, I want a career. I need to do whatever it is that I need to do. And then you're going to yeah. have the people that are just 
they they just chew all the flavors of bubble gum that you know they can get out of the gumball machine uh thanks so much for listening guys and uh once again hit us up on instagram at audio astronauts at matt rolls atl and at magnetic recording thanks and we'll see you next time Thank you.